two nights ago we played a D campaign that was amazing but mm-hmm. our dm put the entire cullen family in it and i'm still not over it <laughs> I'm hungover, but let's get into the podcast. (laughs) Welcome to Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown adults revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool. So I'm Sophie. Hello. And my randomly generated YA title of the day is A Game of Chefs and Words. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Which I feel like is just every cooking reality tv show yeah like what's that one chopped is that where they have like oh my god i love chopped three ingredients that they have to use yeah yeah i think this is the description of chopped (laughs) yeah it it sounds like like a mobile game that goes viral and everybody plays it on their phones but only Mm, on their phones like fruit ninja yeah or like words with friends but oh yeah chefs words with chefs you get (laughs) matched with a chef (laughs) and you have to do better than them yeah or you play overcooked with a bunch of co-workers and you all end up swearing at each other we've never done that no good book sophie yep good book who are you two my co-hosts give me your names and your (laughs) ya title names hello i have slept for 10 hours and still very sleepy but my name is sam and my randomly generated ya title today is the mockery of pirates and bone and i promise this time it was randomly generated wow wow i know that's Um, very good that's really i would read the hell out of that book i know right that's got that like lock lamora like six of crows shades of magic kind of feel to it yeah Yep, yep, right yep. up my alley. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. The mockery part is what puts it up Sam's alley. <laughs> yes. Also it's the pirates. Banter. I live and for the, the banter. <laughs> Who are you, third host? <laughs> oh, me. I'm Hannah. And I'm going to give my YA title name in a slightly backwards fashion. Because oh. there was at one point, several of us and some of our other friends talked about opening a cafe where we had like jellyfish and little aquariums in it and how cool that would be and my ya title for this week is a cafe of book nerds and tiny sharks holy shit (laughs) so it's manifested we're gonna open this cafe full of book nerds and tiny sharks god i would be so down Guys, I have it all planned out. You just make the tables out of big square tanks that have sandy yep. bottoms, and they yep. all have upside down jellyfish in them, and it would be so easy to take care of. Mm-hmm. It would be. Anyway, we don't steal have- my idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. <laughs> now we go into the rest of the podcast, which is where we actually talk about Twilight and Midnight Sun. Let's hear what this week's Twilight chapter was about. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Twilight! Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The enthusiasm is overwhelming. I know. There wasn't a lot that happened in this chapter. It was a lot of just like, I don't know. Anyway, so chapter seven is called Nightmare because it opens up with a nightmare. So the (laughs) the first half starts off with a nightmare where we get the first foreshadowing of Jacob being a werewolf and Bella realizing she's in love with Edward with not so many words, but like, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> so the dream also foreshadows the whole Edward versus Jacob nonsense. 
Besides that, Bella does her doom scroll of vampire and different mythologies around them. And other than that, she does a lot of thinking. Two days of school pass by. Mike gets rejected yet again. And the girls decide to go dress shopping, where the chapter leaves us as Bella, Angela, and Jessica drive off to Port Angeles. Wow. Dang. Not much happened in this chapter, but more happened in it than what happened in Midnight Sun. (laughs) True. Uh Yeah. True. Let me tell you what happened in Midnight Sun. This chapter was called Ghosts, and (laughs) the chapter's opening line is, I did not see much of Jasper's guests for the two sunny days that they were in Forks, which is just a kicking the teeth to our previous predictions and like all of our excitement and hope from last episode, and it made me really mad. I had to close the book (laughs) after that first line. (laughs) And like, it never gets much better from there. Edward mopes around and follows Bella Again, both through other people's eyes and with his own stalkery eyes, his justifications and obsession continue to be absolutely horrifying. And what I think is like the one bright point of this chapter, we get another short little look into how Charlie's mental voice works. Edward calls it quiet and contained, which I thought was nice. After a couple days of stalking, Edward finally goes home and we do get a scene with Peter and Charlotte and the Cullen family, but it's so shallow that there's not really anything to say about it. Everybody thinks about or at Edward and his ridiculous behavior while he ignores them to play the piano. And overall, I would say very disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) But also, who just like plays the piano while people are conversing in the house? Like as a piano player, you don't do that like that's just so rude it's like you're playing over a conversation where people are like oh now i just have to talk louder i guess yeah, yeah like you don't just like leave the party to go play piano in a house where the party is unless everyone is like oh yeah go play a song one i think i'm more self-conscious about my piano playing so i'm like oh god no like i would never do that just like uncalled for but also i was just like that's so rude yeah i mean everything edward does in this chapter at, like, it's most generous is rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Most yeah. of it is just horrible and terrible. And all of the other delightful adjectives we've come to associate with Edward. <laughs> yeah. Obsessive, creepy. Vampire stalker. Uh, <laughs> okay. The one thing I really want to talk about first is, uh-huh. <laughs> was this Twilight chapter for anyone else just like an absolute trip with Bella like having a CD player, like, <laughs> having to having to dial up internet to get in, like oh, I was man. every so many things about this was like yeah she like put on her headphones and plugged them into her whole <laughs> CD player <laughs> to fall asleep to, and then would just listen to the CD over and over on repeat, and I was like this I am going on a journey <laughs> back to two thousand five. <laughs> yep. My notes literally say, oh my god, remember CD players, shout out to role-playing games, only mentions favorite search engine, not that it's Bing, but nobody's right? favorite search engine yeah. is Bing. And those were like my first three notes of that section, and it was just like, it was wild. There's so few albums that like I like all the way through that I, I can't even remember that time where, yeah, you have to listen to a whole cd and nothing else you can't make playlists oh do you remember burning cds with playlists yeah yeah i have just like a vivid memory which i think was would have been around when twilight came out of the green day album american yes. idiot coming yes. out and, and me just doing this like where i just listened to it on repeat 
lying down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I did that with Avril Lavigne's album, the one with Skater Boy on it. That was the first CD I ever owned that was mine and not my dad's. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, American Idiot was the first one I owned, too. I love the uh, progression of Bella listening to the CD over and over and over and being like, I hate it. <laughs> okay, some of these songs are okay. This is actually fantastic. I'm going to write to my stepfather and like ask him more about this band because I really like it now. And I'm like, yeah, that's that thing where you like force yourself to listen to or watch or whatever something so much until you like it i did that with copy i did that with a lot of cds like the same thing like i i'd be like oh i like this one song but i have to listen to the whole cd and then eventually i just liked the whole cd (laughs) yeah Yeah, i went through this phase like or i was that typical like i liked britney spears out like hillary duff all those things but it was cool in my middle school to like like good charlotte and simple plan and at first i like didn't like any of it and then I listened to it so much because like everyone was talking about it and now I like literally exclusively listen to punk hard rock screamo music I do uh, can we just talk about the nightmare for yeah. like two seconds yes 100%. I my first note is don't love this so ham-fisted yeah <laughs> like yeah <laughs> Could it be any more obvious? Oh, wait, Seriously. that's Avril Lavigne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like with the last chapter, I don't remember it being so explicit so fast. I'm like, Edward's a vampire and Jacob's a wolf. It's like, oh my god. From what I remembered, I thought it was that there was a wolf there that reminded her of Jacob. Yeah. For some reason. But no, it's literally Jacob turns into a wolf in her dream. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just uh, foreshadowing, I guess. I think it, it happens a lot in these well, series. Because, like, I also thought the same. I was like, I didn't think it was this in our face. Like, oh, this is what's going to happen. I remember it. I remember kind of being surprised by it in New Moon. But I've done the same with, like, Throne of Glass. I remember reading this the series for the first time. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, shocked by everything. And then when I reread it, I was like, oh, wow, a lot of this was really obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just light and dark and like Edward was in the light and then yeah. Jacob was in the dark. Yeah. And I don't know why Mike was there also in the dark. Oh, like, yeah. that didn't make any sense to me. Like, it was like, oh, if you go into the forest with Jacob, right, like then you're going to be human, right? Or you're going to be with the humans and Mike. And I guess maybe that's what it was maybe? trying to convey. And just the, know. like, Bella being like, oh, but I want to be in the sun. Which, as why she's going towards Edward is... Which makes uh, no sense. Edward yeah. with his skin faintly glowing. Yeah. Oh Jesus. I know. And I'm just, I'm sitting here being like, his f-ing name is Jacob Black. <laughs> like, like, <it's> like <laughs> Within the sentence, it's like Jacob Black, and then it's like the blackest part of the forest. And I'm like, okay... Sure. (laughs) It's so contradictory to how, I don't know, most of the time werewolves and vampires are portrayed because normally it's like the werewolves are the protectors and the, in the good and the light, not the dark and the vampires are like the bad. I don't know. It's friggin' messed up. It's a weird pet peeve of mine when it's, when people get into like the light and dark. Yeah trope where they're just like ah like 
it's the you know glowing white light sunshine or whatever and then it's like oh it's the dark shadows blah 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 <laughs> it's evil i just get so <laughs> tired of that because it's so not how it really should be portrayed like it's all along a spectrum nothing is that black and white to be yeah. quite literal <laughs> yeah yeah it's also just boring at this point right yeah like, we've all read so... a lot of fantasy it's a little overdone it's so overdone yeah. which like it's 2005 maybe it hadn't been quite as overdone then but you know sure. i'm over it <laughs> yeah and i guess the whole thing about the books is like twilight uh, new moon yeah. midnight, midnight sun yeah uh, but anyway light and dark yeah <laughs> i'm over the nightmare yeah okay let's i think <laughs> while i was reading it i was just like really <laughs> really yeah. really yeah. dreams as plot devices are like a little tired especially for foreshadowing like that because it's so yeah. like clairvoyant and obvious and i'm like there has to be some sort of magical aspect to give you a dream so specific like that, you know? Yeah. Was Alice clairvoyant before she turned? Yeah, there was something off about her. She was locked up in psychiatric institutions for her entire human life because she was odd and saw things that weren't there. Okay, yeah. To be fair, I had a clairvoyant dream the other day where I was dreaming about Formula One drivers and their seats for 2021. And in the dream, I found out that George Russell did, in fact, have his seat for Williams confirmed because that's been kind of in contention, despite the fact that he has a contract. And when I woke up the next morning, the first thing I saw was a push notification on my phone saying that George Russell had indeed be confirmed in his seat for 2021. So clairvoyant dreams are real. And I had one about race cars. Whoa, Damn, Anna, okay. you, should, you should be a vampire. Seriously. <laughs> you should be a vampire. Well, I mean, like when you're sleeping, your brain puzzles through things right like it yeah all the information you took in that day or previous days it like sorts it and puts it all together and where it's supposed to go and this so it makes sense that like you your brain would put together a bunch of pieces and be like ah here's what i have done with this information and then you're like oh my god it predicted what happened and it's like well it was logically what was gonna happen <laughs> i guess <laughs> maybe that's my yeah. take on it as not a person who understands human brains. In that light, it does make sense that Bella would hear the story about how Jacob is descended from wolves and Edward yeah. is this like cold vampire and then dream about Jacob as a wolf and Edward as a vampire. But also like, I don't need to see that scene. Yeah, true. There are other things you could have done with that. And why do writers never write dream sequences that like happen like actual dreams where like, Jacob turns into a wolf and then suddenly they're in the library and Jacob is actually Jessica who is talking about how she's going to buy a dress from Paris and they drive to Paris the next day. <laughs> yeah, and <then> like <laughs> exactly. And the person didn't look anything like Jessica, but you knew it was Jessica. Yeah, it was Jessica. <laughs> Bella in the dream was actually Edward and that just made perfect sense because she was dreaming. She was like, yeah, I'm Edward. I dreamed about Twilight where I was Bella on a bus with Edward is the only part I remember. <laughs> and Edward was talking about something. And my only thought that I, as a waking person, can pull up was that I thought, oh, he really isn't as bad as he seemed in the book. <laughs> Dreams are yeah. so meta. <laughs> so wild. 
that's prophetic. Maybe he's not going to be as bad later in the book. God, I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we've talked about that for a long time. Yeah. Anything else in this chapter to talk about? Did anybody else groan out loud when Bella said that her essay subject was <sighs> on whether Shakespeare's treatment of female characters is misogynistic? Yep. I was so angry. I was like, oh, I don't know if this is tongue-in-cheek or just straight-up irony that she doesn't realize. (laughs) I felt like what it was is it was Stephanie Meyer being like, see, I'm not misogynistic because I put this in my book. Yeah. Uh My note here says, the irony of Stephanie Meyer bringing up the topic of whether the treatment of a female character is misogynistic. (laughs) Like, that's literally what my note says. I was just like, are you kidding me? Yeah, when I was getting dressed this morning, I put on my shirt that says strong female character because there has to be at least one in this podcast and we're not going to find it in the book. (laughs) Yes. My note about that section is all caps. This book is internalized misogyny all over it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is coherent. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Uh, okay besides that there's one more thing i wanted to bring up because i was confused and i didn't know whether this just meant moss or whatever but in the chapter she goes i guess i think she goes like exploring through the forest right or something to like clear her head and she says the trees covered in green parasites i was like rude what and i was like is that just supposed to be moss and i was just like (laughs) i so i wrote it down because i wanted to talk about it with two other biologists because i was like is this just supposed to be moss and that moss is a parasite? And yeah. I know, like, there are parasitic plants that, like, climb up mm-hmm. trees, but I'm not a plant biologist. I know almost nothing about this. Same. I mean, I would assume that she was talking about lichen. Are there right? lichen? I also wasn't sure. I was like, is there lichen in Seattle? Like that far south? Yeah, there's lichen everywhere. Okay. Is there? Is lichen parasitic? Are they parasitic? No, they're, but they're symbiotic. Uh, lichen is algae and fungi. That one. Yeah. That. So I guess <laughs> technically like a fungi oh, are yeah. usually parasites. True. <laughs> but I don't think lichen is necessarily bad for the plant it's on. I don't think so. But also would Stephanie Meyer know that much about lichen to call them parasites? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I would have assumed it was the, like, sucker plants that grow up. Other plants. I don't know. I We had those a lot in southern Ontario where I grew up. I don't actually know if they're in the Pacific Northwest or not. Right. But we were always having to cut them off of our ash trees because we didn't want the ashes to fall on our house. And then the ash borer beetle came through. Uh, uh. <laughs> anyway. I was uh, kind of relieved about this walk because I was very puzzled in the last chapter when Edward got to her house. He was like, oh, she went into the woods and then turned around and came back out. I was like, when did this happen? Do they not talk about it at all? And it was just in this chapter. So Edward was a little bit ahead of us. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That makes more sense. In case anybody else was uh, wondering that same thing that I was. I (laughs) I I was too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had one more thought about the near the end where Bella and Charlie are talking. (laughs) I'm so angry. (laughs) Bella is asking permission basically to go dress shopping Mm -hmm. with Jessica and Angela. 
And like the conversation she has with Charlie is just so I like incomprehensible because she's like, I want to go dress shopping for the dance with my friends. And her dad is like, why would you have to go? Because you're not going to the dance. (laughs) And so there's like four lines of her trying to (laughs) explain, like it takes so long to be like, no, I'm going with my friends. And there are two lines Bella is explaining. And she says, I wouldn't have to explain this to a woman. (laughs) That's true, though. (laughs) But you wouldn't have, like, if someone came up to you and was like, oh, I'm going to go dress shopping with people. And it's like, oh, you don't need a dress. Like, I, uh, I just feel like you wouldn't need to explain it to a man either. You wouldn't need to explain it to your father. You wouldn't need to explain it to a human. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I assumed that it was like, because Bella has not been a part of Charlie's life, really. I just assumed it was a, this is a man who basically has never experienced a teenage girl before trying to like figure out how to parent one. I feel like it's the combination of, I am like trying to be a good dad and I don't, know how to interact with teenagers yeah but like he's a he's a cop like he's a public servant like he should know how people act especially teens (laughs) in this small town right like i don't know that's a good point stephanie meyer also uses the phrase girly stuff which is my least favorite phrase on the planet There's yeah. just, like, a lot of deep-rooted sexism in this book. Yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. Stephanie Meyer, for your deep-rooted sexism. <laughs> must, must make life very hard. Um, well, do we want to talk about Midnight Sun a little bit? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do this. Oh, <laughs> there's a point where Edward is stalking Bella, and... I realize that doesn't clarify anything because that's what he does the whole chapter. Yeah. But he at this particular point, he's in the woods and he see he's like watching Mike Newton trying to ask Bella out and Ugh. Bella will like redirect him. But Edward is watching this happen from Mike Newton's perspective. And when he tries to ask her out, Edward says, I accidentally uprooted the young spruce tree my hand was resting on. And first of all, like <laughs> That sucks. But second of all, I had the most vivid flashback memory to the time I was buying my podcasting mic off of a guy from Kijiji. And when I showed up, he was very attractive and I was caught off guard and I dropped the microphone on the floor three times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, I can understand losing control of my uh, physical capabilities because you're like, oh god, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I was so mad when it was just like at the end, Bella finally convinces Mike, oh, Jessica's into you, like go after that. And him just being like, oh, she's got good boobs too, or something like that, or better boobs. And I was just like- Bigger than Bella's. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like so teenage boy, but also I so didn't need to get inside that head. Yeah, I can forgive Mike because like, whatever, he's- Young and dumb. I've said it enough times. I have a little <laughs> bit more compassion for Mike's idiocy. But I was just like, I didn't need that. I didn't need yeah. to read that. I didn't want yeah. to read that. <laughs> I hate being in Edward's head. I hate possibly more being in 
other characters' heads. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Especially because the other characters have nothing nice to think, ever. Yeah. Except Esme, whose only thought is, Edward is happy, so I am happy. And occasionally Angela, whose thoughts seem to just be, I am nice. Yep. And nothing else. <laughs> yep. It's like, it's just everybody sucks. The only yeah. one with logical thoughts is Emmett. Yeah, Emmett's, uh, when Edward shows up back at the house where, like, his family is hanging out with Jasper's friends, Peter and Charlotte, he walks in and, like, everybody's thinking things at him, most of which are uncharitable towards Edward. But Emmett's is, you're pathetic. I can't believe you missed the game last night just to watch somebody sleep. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, Emmett gets it. Like, <laughs> the heck, Edward? Literally the only voice of reason. Do all vampires have, like, some sort of magical skill? No. Okay. No. Why does everyone in Carlisle's family <laughs> have one then? It's There's three of them who do out of the seven. Yeah, Emmett oh. and Rosalie don't. Yeah, Emmett, Rosalie, and Esme don't. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, I was thinking about this. Magic power is included in this, but like becoming a vampire exaggerates the traits you had in life. Yeah. For like Jasper, who apparently was very empathetic, it turned into magical empathy. And I know it's like a thing with the Volturi and some of the more militaristic vampires. Yeah. Like they mention Maria, who turned Jasper into a vampire. They will specifically seek out people who they think will have magical vampire traits. Yeah. But I think it's fairly unusual. Yeah. But like, do vampires, do other vampires know? Like, wouldn't, like, would Peter and Charlotte know that Edward can read minds? Because like, then wouldn't they be more (laughs) careful about what they were thinking? Probably. Yeah. I don't know if they've been told. No, I don't think there's like an inherent like magic radar for vampires. I think <laughs> you still have to like tell people what the power is. Yeah, I, but I would assume Jasper would have told them or like I would assume so. They've been friends for so long. You think that's something that would come up at some point. Oh, hey, my brother can read minds, so like, right? <laughs> watch your thoughts. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, if that was me, I would warn my friends. Oh, me too. I would just tell my friends not to come over. I'd be like, well, go to your place. Yeah. yeah. My brother can't listen to your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously. Uh, I'm also yeah. changing subject. I am okay. so annoyed that Bella is reading fucking Jane Austen because oh it's just like, uh, of yeah, of she course is, right? she is. Yeah. Because it would be something that Edward would like. And it's like, oh, she's like this old soul, you yeah, know, reading not like these like the other girls. Yeah, oh. reading these like Jane Austen books instead of Twilight, like most teen girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have just been so much happier if Bella was reading like Vampire Academy or hundred <laughs> percent. If she was reading like Gossip Girl or something, just like yeah, super quote unquote chiclet. Like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gossip Girl or Pretty Little Liars. I think both of those yeah. were like out before Twilight was. Or Aragon. I was reading Aragon. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, a couple years before I think, but like, yeah, that would have been so funny. Wouldn't it have been great? Aragon. Oh man, yeah. such an opportunity. <laughs> missed yeah. opportunities. Oh yeah. This whole chapter is one missed opportunity. I've still never read a single Jane Austen book. I won't lie. I love Pride and Prejudice, but I have never read the book. It was, I read it once and it took me like four 
weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. I'll just rewatch the movie. <laughs> I don't think I liked the movie either. I liked the movie. I might like it now as an adult. I was trying to be like Bella and like read these classic things so I could be like a 13, 14 year old girl and be like, mm, yes, I read classic literature. And every time I tried, I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I want to read Aragon. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I mean, watching the Pride and Prejudice movie was my first taste into the enemies to lovers trope. So uh, hey. <laughs> it's in there. Yeah, there and it started this whole thing. Pride and Prejudice is such a good example of that because she's like, "Wow, he's a dick," and then she hates him until the end of time, basically. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, and then he's like, "Wait, she's cool," and then he's like, "Damn it, I fucked <laughs> up." Yep, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it would have been great if like Bella was reading some like fantasy or horror or something and that's where she got edward as a vampire ideas yeah, like yeah. she could have been reading anne rice anne rice is yeah. like your classic vampire novels interview with the vampire definitely was out at the time twilight was written yeah or i mean if bella reads like highbrow classical literature oh she should have read dracula right <laughs> well my theory is that there isn't a lot of media about vampires in this version of the world. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Like, if vampires actually exist, I, they probably scrub True. <laughs> some some versions of vampire-like fiction. But, like, right? there wasn't enough vampire stuff for her to, like, do a bunch of research and come up with a bunch of vampire-like subspecies and stuff, right? Yeah, and we'll, I think we're going to talk about this after, but, like, she doesn't yeah. come across, like, Dracula by Bram Stoker, D- which which should have been, like, it? the first thing. No. Yeah. No? For some reason I thought it was mentioned. My bad. No, it wasn't. Yeah, like, she has to go, like, deep into folklore to figure out what a vampire is, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I th- I think, yeah. As much fun as it would be if it was like, she's reading Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> that would like, be well, so great. I don't think that book exists. <laughs> no, yeah. I think that's a that's a good theory because the Volturi, I don't remember if they actually have this, but I'm sure they have a vampire with the power to like change memories or like. Oh, prob- or they just kill people. Or if they just actually, yeah. Book, they kill yeah. them. I was yeah. thinking that any like books or anything had probably not existed. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. So I have a biology question from Edward's chapter where he says that he went off to hunt, contenting himself with the smaller, gentler creatures that did not taste as good as as the other predators. And I want to ask you guys why you think maybe the predators taste better. That's I literally had that written down. I wrote, why do the smaller, gentler creatures not taste as good as the predators? Yeah. I wrote a bunch of question marks and then bioaccumulation. (laughs) (laughs) But like that would go, I get, do vampires like the taste of toxins then? That's right. Maybe it's like, you know, if you add salt to something, you're like, oh, this tastes way better. And so Mm -hmm. it's like bioaccumulation is like, yeah, add mercury. And it's like, oh, it tastes so good though. (laughs) What if it's like iron though? Because if carnivores are eating strictly oh. meat diet so predators have higher levels of iron compared to a herbivore which 
probably doesn't, I guess, depending on what vegetation diet it is, but that might be it that like the top of the food changes has the most kind of the things in the blood that a vampire would want. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But every idea I could come up with was why the herbivores should taste better. I like couldn't. Yeah think of oh. why predators would be better if you're talking about like marine species i know like a lot of marine predators are more like warm-blooded you get big fish like mackerel sharks and tunas and things like that that are warm-blooded fish and like have more iron have that like ability to regulate themselves better than yeah. smaller fish or planktivorous fish so like if he was eating sharks i could be like yeah they have you know more robust blood than smaller fishes but could it also be a thing to do with hormones? Because I know there's a, isn't there a theory or something? Maybe I'm just putting this in my brain from um, another vampire series, but if I think I am putting it in my brain for another vampire series, but I remember something about the blood of something that was afraid or not afraid being better than the, like the other so like if an animal had a lot of adrenaline in it so like a herbivore who's a prey that's constantly fighting whereas a predator is like no i'm not afraid i'm gonna eat you so it doesn't have those like things that would make it taste bad but they have to actively like fight the predators yeah they would get that like lactic acid maybe they like the lactic acid and all of that stuff. Oh, that's a muscular thing. I'm realizing I don't know anything about blood. <laughs> Me yeah. neither. I think there's no reason that a predator yeah. would taste good. <laughs> yeah. No. The only th- the only thing that would make sense is if like what he'd said was like like smaller mammals that didn't taste as good as other primates, right? <laughs> like like yeah. you know, like if he was eating great apes or monkeys, it's like oh, they taste way better than like a deer because they're human predators <laughs> oh so do you think maybe the taste is correlated with how evolutionarily similar the animal is to people i mean nothing in this book will tell us that answer but that's true maybe maybe i don't know <laughs> i'm i still don't understand why they don't just raise livestock <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why they're just not farmers. Seriously. Or like Carlisle is literally a doctor. Like, why wouldn't he get into is it phlebotomy where they like draw blood and just like take a little bit extra every time yeah. he does a blood drive? Yeah. Anyway. I mean that's how they do it in vampire diaries. There are a lot of solutions to Yeah. We'd be way better vampires. <laughs> I man, I don't even have enough self control to not eat an entire bag of chips when I buy it on the first day. So like, I would definitely eat a whole person. Be, I would be the <laughs> Jasper in this family where I have good intentions, but every once in a while, I'm like, "Oops, I accidentally ate an entire apartment building." <laughs> oh! <laughs> My bad. It's like, well, they were all there. <laughs> I was trying to go on a diet, and then I was really hungry, and then I walked past, and someone was, you know cut themselves cooking and that was the end of that alas like when you walk past a coffee shop and you haven't had your caffeine for the day Mm, yep did anybody else think about how hilarious it would be while bella is like researching vampires if this was not not a ya horror story and she just like (laughs) 
Edward was just some like weird kid with poor social skills and worse circulation. And she walked up to him and was like, I know you're a vampire. And he's like, no, I just have like a blood disease that makes my hands really cold. Like, that's so mean. <laughs> I have bad circulation. I'm sorry. <laughs> or like, is it al- an allergy to the sun is a real thing. Like, that's something people yeah. actually suffer with. So yeah, yeah. like I know one of those people. Yeah, like, no, like I have anemia and a sun allergy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not at school because I had to go to the hospital to get treatment for my weird autoimmune disease. Like, thanks, though. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> well, don't worry, because uh, I actually did exactly what Bella did. So I will oh, be yeah? able- I could tell you what she would be able to tell this person <laughs> who may or may not be a vampire. Sophie, you used your favorite search engine to look up the word vampire. Yeah, so this is in a 2020 search. So probably not what Bella would have seen. Also because I have an ad blocker. <laughs> and Bella, uh, all she could talk about is how many ads kept <laughs> popping up while she was trying to quote unquote favorite search engine her vampire <laughs> knowledge. Uh-huh. Basically, like, so I first Googled vampire and then I binged vampire. <laughs> I, really? I suffered through Bing. <laughs> for this podcast soul. <laughs> i did not open internet explorer to do it but <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, both cases the first thing that comes up is wikipedia <laughs> like yeah. i did look this up because i was like when did wikipedia come into existence it did wikipedia was invented in 2001 but kind okay. of became like a big deal in 2006 so twilight oh. came out in 2005 so it wouldn't have been kind of a major first source bella would have seen yeah plus if you guys recall there was that period where people didn't trust wikipedia yeah yes which was until about 2010 yes at which point people were like you know what wikipedia is pretty great yeah (laughs) and now i use it for everything but yeah google and bang both brought up wikipedia first then google had a bunch of youtube videos about vampires and then a bunch of articles about vampire bats, which is probably just because that's what Google was like. Sophie wants this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm way more likely to look up vampire bats than vampires. <laughs> and Bing just had a bunch of folklore on Britannica.com and then dictionary definitions of vampires. So. <laughs> oh, Bing. Try so hard. <laughs> so really useful. <laughs> the specific website that Bella finds, which is Vampires A to Z, does not exist anymore i found a bunch of links to it that were all like broken so it clearly existed before twilight and probably for some period afterwards but it's not there now also if you specifically search for vampires a to z it's just twilight fan blogs oh yeah i did do that (laughs) it's all fan fiction yeah (laughs) yeah before we go into like what i we all looked up really what vampire lord did you guys know before going on a deep dive? <laughs> Do you want to start us off with that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can go first. Um, I mean, I've, I would say it's all from like fantasy novels <laughs> or YA, the Twilight type vampires or the True Blood vampires probably would come to my mind first, but I have read quite a few fantasy like adult fantasy novels where they're like much more monstrous vampires so you know the two major types one where it's like oh they're very suave charismatic 
humans who run nightclubs or whatever and then the other side where it's like oh they're like actual monsters who kill people (laughs) huh i realized in doing some of this research and like thinking more deeply about twilight that almost all of my knowledge about vampires is just from cultural osmosis other than twilight i read part of dracula and hawks harbor which i mentioned in a previous episode which is like classic evil vampire who sleeps in a coffin. And then I was briefly very into the UK Being Human series, which has, again, like the kind of Halloween vampire with the fangs where they suck blood and like can't get into your house unless they're invited over the doorstep. But other than that, all all of what I know about vampires has just been like stereotypes. You stake them something about garlic. They have fangs and wear capes and come from Transylvania. Like, yeah, that that's basically all I got. Yeah, which I was kind of surprised about when I started thinking about it. Yeah, because I feel like so many series have like just a vampire in it or reference. Like, it doesn't even need to be a main character or like the main plot points, but there are just so many vampires everywhere. <laughs> what about you, Sam? Well, my first vampire experience was obviously with Count Von Count in Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> you know um <laughs> i have to count that no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm not kidding <laughs> i forgot about him i know right for vampires i kind of go all over the place i don't really know where i fit and like what i think is like where it started or everything because i've consumed so much vampire media i read most of the major vampire series that like came out when we were in high school i watched a lot of the tv shows and then i recently went to the bloodsuckers exhibition that was going on at the royal ontario museum and learned a little bit more there and like some of the animals that um influenced a lot of these mythologies in cultures like uh, you know there was some in some african tribes it was like this lemur like animal that they put into this like vampire story. I thought that was super interesting. Hmm. I went into a little bit like the origin of a vampire kind of thing in folklore. And obviously like some of the earliest ones in fiction, which is like where the modern take of the hot charismatic (laughs) vampire are like Bram Stoker is up there. There's a book called The Vampire with a Y. Oh, yeah. By John Polidori. That was like the first one. When was that? The first touchstone. That's 1819. Wow. Yeah. And then Bram Stoker was 1897. Yeah. As like the quintessential one. Huh. Yeah. I looked a little bit into the origin of vampire mythology as like a human experience very shallow level but it has existed in some sense throughout all of human recorded history in almost every single culture there is some sort of blood-sucking undead monster mythos which i thought was really interesting that this is apparently an idea that is quintessential to the human experience throughout our entire existence yeah even if you're specifically looking from like an abrahamic religious direction there were quote-unquote vampires even before there were people really like Lilith is considered to be an example of a vampire and she existed before Eve and the Adam and Eve pairing so like 
even the Christians had vampires <laughs> way before they had anything else, which is wild to think about. That's interesting. Yeah. I never heard that take on Lilith before. I always heard that the take that she was the first demon, but I didn't know that there was also that she was considered like vampire. Interesting. Yeah, so the vampire ethos specifically came out of 18th century Transylvania. Before that, there were very similar monsters all around the world that were like sometimes called spirits, sometimes were demons or devils or like undead monsters, but they all had the same kind of traits that are collectively associated with a vampire. So if you want like specific, this is a vampire, it is in fact from Transylvania, which I thought was a stereotype. Turns out it's not. <laughs> but like there have been similar beasts in every culture, which is really cool. Yeah. I looked into a little bit the biology mm. of like what might cause people to think vampires, like where some of the aspects of the folklore come from and it's pretty interesting because not like a lot of it is like we can only guess but especially early takes on vampires weren't necessarily the like pale befanged vampire <laughs> they were like right. ruddy skinned which is like oh they've mm -hmm. been drinking blood so they're just i guess a bag of blood now because <laughs> they've been <laughs> drinking it or like evidence so to speak, of them drinking blood, i.e. blood on their face or something like that, if the grave has been opened and the, like, exposed fangs slash teeth. And a lot of this can actually be attributed to, okay, like, content warning for talking about <laughs> dead bodies coming up here. Right. Because a lot of this can be attributed to, like, humans not really understanding how bodies decompose. Mm. Especially when they're, like, freaking out and they reopen a coffin or dig up a body or maybe they've like buried a body somewhere different than like other bodies and things are different there because like as you decompose the body like fills and kind of bloats which people attributed to like oh they look well fed now and they look like they've been drinking blood because like it tends to come out around the face and your gums kind of recede and your fingernails around your fingernails the skin kind of recedes so like it looks like your fingernails are longer and your teeth are longer which is really cool and gross but I had never really thought about it that way because I kind of knew that I knew that like oh yeah as the body decays the teeth and hair and fingernails kind of look longer but I had never thought about it as like well that's yeah that's where the vampire thing comes from <laughs> yeah that's cool I wouldn't have made that connection yeah, yeah. most horribly part of it is probably from like not understanding when someone's dead yeah and burying That's them like a thing yep Alive. and then when you and then when you open the coffin later you're like oh weird it looks like they like smashed their head a bunch of times on the inside of the coffin oh. it's like yep because <laughs> they were trying to get out again oh my God, yep. horrible <laughs> anyway okay. we don't do that anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why the most common way of becoming a vampire in literature is that whole you have to come out of a coffin or be like laid to rest in a cemetery and like you dig yourself out of a grave to successfully make the change or something. It probably stems from that as well. Yeah. 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 There are like so many different ways that people have been like, here's how you make a vampire. Here's oh how you God, kill a so vampire. Many. Here's the signs of how to see a vampire. And it's like, okay, yeah. we don't even have time for that. Yeah. 
pretty much anything, any variation on like they have to die first <laughs> is usually yeah. one. Bella mentions six subspecies of vampires specifically, but even with those six species, they are fairly varied and there are like a bunch of different ways that they become a vampire to like how you kill a vampire. That was really interesting to look at and I kind of want to do some more vampire mythology research. I didn't get super deep into it because I'm a busy lady. Yeah. But it was very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So in Bella's vampire A to Z searching, she specifically picks out a couple of them that share some traits with what she thinks the Cullen vampires are like. There's, I, and I did look up how to pronounce these, but I am monolingual and my tongue is not that dexterous, so apologies <laughs> to anybody who speaks these languages. But there's the Danag of the Philippines, the Hebrew Estri, the Polish vampire, which she calls the Upie, but seems to be most commonly referred to as a Yeski, I think. There's the Veracalachi from Romania, the Nalapsi from Slovakia, and the Strigoni Benefici from Italy. And of these, I personally thought the Nalapsi was the most interesting as a concept, I guess. They are superficially similar to the Cullens. They're like the pale, lean, strong with red eyes. But on the sources I found were described as being like among the most monstrous, vicious, and powerful of all of the vampire mythologies. So they have like the talons and the sharp teeth that like Sophie mentioned probably came from the retreat of the soft tissues after death but these things would go around would destroy entire towns people animals everything and then anything that survived would succumb to the plague that the nalapsi also brings with it and the way you can find one because their uh, weakness is that they're not harmed by the sun but they can't be out during the day so they will return to the grave from whence they came to sleep during the day and they can't come out at all on saturdays Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? But you can find the way you find one is by putting a virgin boy on a white horse that never stumbles and walking it through the graveyard. And if the horse refuses to step on a certain grave, there's a nalapsi in there. Oh my and god! The, the way you have to kill a nalapsi is like super elaborate. There is garlic involved. There is a wooden stake involved. There is beheading and burning involved. There's also opium involved. Like. It's this whole process to make sure that this thing doesn't come back to life. And, like, that's the most aggressive one. And then, like, the Philippine one, the Deneg, originally coexisted with humans, and they were primarily taro farmers until one of them discovered how delicious human blood was. The estries are, like, exclusively female, but they're beautiful and, like, prefer to eat children. Several of these subspecies are shapeshifters. One of them I thought was really interesting was the Polish one, the Vieski. And that was, it's predetermined at your birth whether you're going to become a vampire or not. And it's depending on the shape of the call, which is like part of the fetal membrane on the newborn's head. So there was a way to prevent that. If you dry out the call and feed it to the child on its seventh birthday, then it won't become a vampire. But otherwise, like you live your entire life. And then at midnight, the night after you die, you become a vampire and come back and kill your entire family. I thought that, was, that one was really cool but also so specific <laughs> yeah whoa i like that one right not the whole yeah. killing your whole family thing but like whoa. yeah like the vera Lukacci one the romanian one was cool especially because in later books in the twilight saga they mention like the romanian vampires that are even older than the volturi 
that probably came from this specific mythology where vampirism could be hereditary. Vampires were able to breed and like pass on their vampirism to other vampires. But you could also become a vampire or a Verlocacci if you were unbaptized or died by suicide. And they could shapeshift into a bunch of different animals. They could also project, astral project, as a dragon or an animal with many mouths. And they're, right? And the bite (laughs) wound leaves no marks, which is sort of like Morbius in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, who doesn't bite his victims, but sucks their blood out through suckers on his hands. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, even in these six specific ones she mentions there's such a variety of origins and methods and ways of disposal from a human perspective that is really interesting the stragoni Benefici was a weird one too you had something about that right sam yeah so the reason i kind of fixated on this one and only this one uh in my research was because she described it as the mortal enemy of all vampires because they're supposed to be the good vampires and so i tried to look up more and i literally i don't know if you found anything hannah but i couldn't find anything more but the reason i fixated on this is because in the vampire academy series there's three different types of vampires. There's the Morai, which are the good vampires. And then the Dampiers, which are half vampire, half uh, human, and they like protect the Morai. And then the evil vampires are called Stragoi. And so I was like, you have the Stragoni, who are supposed to be like really, really good vampires. And then for me, I think Strigoi, I think automatically bad. And the way you become a bad vampire is if you kill a human and then you automatically turn into like a red-eyed monster. Whereas Morai, they can feed on humans consistently, but never kill them. And if they ever drain them whole, then they turn over. So I don't know. For me, I just fixated on that because I was like, did Vampire Academy take from a different mythology that had a similar name origin? But I couldn't find anything, so... I did find some interesting stuff about that one. It's actually the most relevant to the uh, the Twilight mythos because it's described as an Italian vampire that opposes evil vampires. And this is specifically Carlisle. Like she made it up. This is about Carlisle. This type of vampire is Carlisle. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to Google it and I'm like, from this description, I know she's talking about Carlisle. Did she make it up? And it doesn't seem like it existed in this form before then. But Stragoni is just Italian for like a wizard or a sorcerer, or, like witch doctor or something. Oh, is it? Yeah. I didn't know I, that. I mean, according to Google Translate, I did look ah. it up. So it's like <laughs> the the good witch, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was fun that she like put in this one that she made up among all of these other varied traditions of vampire stories yeah like i thought that was clever yeah she'd at least like done some research and was like and i like i'm gonna sprinkle in all this real stuff so people who know something (laughs) will be like ah this other one must also be real (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it added some validity to it which i like yeah it's interesting hearing like how complex all of the different variants of what eventually became like the modern vampire Uh, yeah because part of what i was looking up it's like yeah many of the 
decomposition things that people were like trying to figure out what was happening it just goes to show like nobody knew anything (laughs) about anything at all and so like the more and more complicated it became to like oh here's how you tell if someone's a vampire or here's how right it's like it's clearly because over time it was like oh well this person became a vampire so what about them and then it's like oh well this other person but when they were born you know they're (laughs) (laughs) their placenta their fetal thing was not in this confirmation so that gets them out so there must be some other reason it's sort of like um one of my favorite podcasts that isn't ours is sawbones and they talk about medical history on that show and one of the things that comes up a lot is somebody did something and it quote-unquote worked once so it's like oh well that like you cure the bubonic plague by tying a chicken to your uh sores (laughs) it's like okay clearly somebody tried something like this once and then they probably didn't have the plague maybe they just had like an injury that healed naturally they're like aha i put a chicken on it and it got better exactly like this is how you cure this and i i bet that's sort of the same thing with vampires where it's like well this thing happened we can't quite explain it yeah but but this other thing made it go away yeah but we buried the person upside down and then surrounded their grave in millet and it worked (laughs) They didn't become a vampire, so the reasoning is probably because vampires have to count every grain of millet. Yeah. <laughs> they encounter a pile of millet. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that one. Which is one of my favorite vampire mythologies. Yeah. If a vampire encounters a bag of rice, it has to count every grain of rice. It's <laughs> true. I, do we ever see the Cullens with a bag of rice? Oh no. my god. I don't think there are any Asian vampires. Is that because Stephanie Meyer is a little bit racist, or is it because they're all stuck counting rice in patties in Vietnam? Probably <laughs> both. <laughs> I don't know. One seems more likely than the other. One's... I'm not going to say which one it is. <laughs> Amazing. But that's why we say that correlation is not causation. <laughs> I did have a question to follow up on what we just talked about. Which of like the vampire types or like vampire lore what's your favorite part or version so for me the most important thing about a vampire is like they are human predators right and Mm -hmm. so for me any version of a vampire that like is the most interesting way to like lure in a human oh yeah that like seems biologically probable without having to get into magic that is the most interesting to me so for me sexy vampires i just think is so i don't know that i've read something that actually does what i feel like is justice to it but the idea that like you get humans to show up to be eaten because you're just so hot (laughs) is like so perfect to me (laughs) like it's like it's the best predator (laughs) it's so funny as soon as you said that my mental picture immediately went to lures. And I was imagining like a vampire that has fish. <laughs> it's fall. Yeah, so I was thinking <laughs> of like a lure on the forehead shaped like a pumpkin spice latte. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, do you want this? It's like, oh yeah. And then you show up and the pumpkin spice latte like bites your neck <laughs> and sucks your blood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. There are there are a couple like forms of media that have done interesting jobs of like creating a predator for humans 
that I've really enjoyed and like really get me thinking about stuff. And so for a vampire, I'm like, yeah, you know, having a really hot vampire is probably the best way to get your prey to come to you. Like it's the same idea as like the mermaid myth, right? It's like, how do you get sailors to show up to your island? It's like, you are a sexy lady. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you and then you could drown them and eat them. <laughs> I have always, for my entire life, wanted to be a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably my favorite vampire thing, and like the fact that some of them shapeshift into either a bat or a cloud of bats, which is bonkers to think of turning yep. into many things. Like bats <laughs> are cool, but also there are these ones that can like turn into a dragon or can turn into a frog or can turn into a flea can turn into a dog like that's cool i want to be one of these vampires that can turn into a bunch of different animals i would just like live my best life (laughs) all all i want is to be able to turn into animals i want to be an animorph you guys that's all i want all all i've ever wanted (laughs) i love that yeah i guess it's my turn I don't know. (laughs) No, like, I don't know. I'm, like, sitting here and I'm, like, why did I, like... Because I loved vampires. Like, I loved Mm -hmm. vampire books. And I I don't know if it was the whole sexy aspect of it. I don't know what it was. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. I did not read many vampire books so this might be off but i am a big fan of like the tortured soul anti-hero character and i feel like you might be in the same camp as me and i feel like sexy vampires might also fit into that stereotype pretty well do you think that could have been it i think that definitely has something to do with it because like i loved like damon and stefan salvatore from the vampire diaries what's his face eric from true blood dimitri from the vampire academy but i also like i'm sitting here and i'm like a lot of these books I read because this is going to sound so messed up, but because like vampires had power, like they weren't weak mm. and they, they were able to like take control of their own life. And I think when I was reading these in high school, I was very much like not in a great place. Like I had a lot of insecurity issues and in high school, nobody has power and everyone wants it. So that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I went to like I said before, I've been to, I went to a really clicky high school, right? And it was very much like that mean girls division where like there was popular people and like I feel like it kind of stems from that and just like a vampire was like a one up from a human, so like mm. y- you were more powerful. And I tended to like the series where the vampires weren't necessarily evil. I liked the ones like Vampire Academy where you had your good vampires and they didn't kill humans. Same with uh, the House of Night series. You had good vampires, even Vampire Diaries. Like you you didn't harm people, but like you were still more powerful than people. So I, I don't know. It's really messed up, I think, but that's probably where you know, it comes from. That I don't sense. think that's messed up. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Between the three of us, we like the fact that they are sexy shapeshifters with power like who could say no to that (laughs) i mean yeah that's actually a really good way of summarizing that (laughs) yeah yeah it was like yeah if you put it that way like hell yeah turn me into a vampire suck my blood like (laughs) yeah get get in there let's do it (laughs) i don't know what shape my fetal membrane was on my head when i was born but here's hoping (laughs) yeah (laughs) That about wraps it up. So the next chapter is called Port Angeles. Do either of you guys have a guess? What's going to happen in Port Angeles? I mean, 
Yes. <laughs> you both said uh, yes in, and had a moment of silence in a way that I it should be obvious and I have no idea what's going to happen. Oh, Sophie. <laughs> Sophie. I don't know. What's happening? Well, like, Edward races off to stalk them. And then yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the, like, scene where Bella goes off without yeah. Jessica and Angela to, like, make trouble or something? I don't know. Am I thinking of New Moon? Yeah, I, I don't think she's looking for trouble in this one, but it's the same type of people that she ends up going towards a new moon right yeah and like edward comes in and saves her and then she leaves jessica and angela and then like i think ends up going to dinner with edward yeah she has ravioli yeah yeah (laughs) why i remember that specific detail i couldn't tell you (laughs) i don't know (laughs) and she wears a khaki skirt right that edward thinks is like super hot yeah hilarious because like who looks hot in a khaki skirt I think you're right, yeah. Anyway, my prediction for Midnight Sun is that Edward is going to be super stocky, super obsessive, and super homicidal. And then act like an absolute dick to Bella, who is going to think it's hot. Dang. That's my prediction. Yeah, I stand by that. I'm not excited. I think the implication, if I'm remembering correctly, was that like, the men that Bella runs into outside a bar or in an alley or something, like, want to sexually assault her. Like, that was the vibe I got. And I super do not want to read that from their heads in Edward's perspective. Oh, God, me neither. Yeah, me neither. So that's fun. Oh. Oof. Trigger warning for us and probably for our next episode. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, that's going to be great. Um, So if you want to hear that, maybe Hannah can tell you where you can find us. Yeah, wow, that was a good Sally. <laughs> if you liked listening to us talk about vampire lore, consider rating and reviewing Midlight Crisis on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. You can talk to us and find fun-related content on social media. We are at Midlight Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And all chapters of the show thus far are available on our website, midlightpod.podbean.com, and on YouTube. And in the wise words of Edward... Like Bella and the rest of us, she wasn't dreaming of me at all. She was dreaming of fictional characters. It's true. (laughs)